Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Well, it's good to to be with you. For those of you that weren't here last week or Wednesday, I got to be in Chicago area for some times together with our Foursquare leadership in the Central District. Um, just a just an amazing time of connecting with people, um, praying together and uh, receiving training and ministry and just being encouraged and, and having fun. So uh, there's about 60 leaders from all over. If you're not aware, we're a part of the Foursquare Church. We're in the Foursquare family. So I got to hang out with some of my family members, some of them I didn't know yet. So some of them I got to meet, uh, and everybody I meet, everybody I met, it's amazing. There's just a heart for, there's just a heart for Jesus, you know. Uh, sometimes we've, we get too, there is a truth that the church needs revival and the church needs change, but you know what, there's a lot of people that love Jesus still. So we need to sometimes be encouraged, hey, there's, there's things going on in Kansas, there's things going on in Illinois. There's things going on in Wisconsin. There's things going on in Colorado. <laughs> All over. And so got to reconnect with a, an old friend uh, from school. Um, and he's just as quirky as he was in school, even though he's 50 now. He's 50. Somebody I went to college with is 50. And they were close to my age when I went to college with them, a little bit older. So that was kind of a shocking there. Um, but it was, it was just, just a joy. It was a fun time for praying uh, for me, those of you that knew and were, were thinking about that. I appreciate that. So um, God is, is moving. The Lord is moving. So let's open our Bibles. We're going we're gonna to be in Revelation. We're going through the churches of, of the book of Revelation so we're in Revelation chapter 2. If you weren't here last week, we took a break from Revelation when, when Ashley was, was sharing. Uh, and now, wow, that was, that, was, that was good. So if you didn't catch that, you need to go watch it online uh, from last week on Facebook or YouTube. I believe it was on both. We made it on both last week, so every once in a while it happens. Um, so... Uh, go check that out and be encouraged about God seeing you and the power of the love of God. And uh, just, you know, my wife's not in here, right? She's not in here? You know, it's funny, my wife always will pull this scripture out and like, I have never thought of preaching from that scripture, <laughs> getting something from it. But then you're like, no, it's, that's, that's really, and she always runs it by me because, you know, because I went to Bible school, so she thinks, I don't know, she needs to run it by somebody who went to Bible school, I guess. I'm not sure why, but uh, just to make sure. And I'm like, well, that sounds, I mean, that's the meanings of their names. Like, I don't see why the meanings of the names in the Old Testament all were very intentional. They were not accidental. It wasn't like they just saw somebody on a YouTube video and said, oh, that's cool. I want to name my kid that. Um, no, it was, it, there was, there was in, intent and meaning with those names. And so, so powerful uh, from the story of Genesis 29 and Leah. So check that out if you didn't. Uh, but today we're back in Revelation. We've done the church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna, 
the church in Ephesus, God invited us to return to our first love. Uh, the church in Smyrna encouraged us to pass the test, to stay strong when we're going through the test, to do not fear what we're about to face if it's a time of testing. And so we'll come to the third one today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the word as we read it right now in Jesus' name. And it says this, this is the words of Jesus, to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain, you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Uh, the, the recruiting for the housing in this city is not good, okay? <laughs> Come where Satan lives. <laughs> I mean, if you get it, you know, when you're looking for a new house, if the neighborhood says Satan lives here, you like, you go to the next one, okay? So, I don't know. So, anyway, I just, anyway, just so you know how I think sometimes. So, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches." To the one who's victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. I am not going to explain all that part, that last part, just so you know. <laughs> I don't know what that's all. I know there's a little bit of reference there, but uh, I'm not going to try to try to delve into that. What we are going to jump into is, is who, who, who are these people and why was Jesus saying these things to them? You'll notice there's a couple of different things that are highlighted. Number one is that this place was kind of an evil city. I mean, this is a dark city, obviously. I mean, he's not going to... This is Jesus. Uh, he's not just some realtor. This is Jesus. He is actually saying, no, I know what's going on in this city. This is where Satan has his throne. You're, you're in the city where Satan lives. And so I did some research a little bit. And so from what I can tell... This is what it says about the city of Pergamum. It says, The city of Pergamum was the headquarters of satanic opposition and a Gentile base for false religions. Okay? Pergamum was a huge... Pergamos was a huge... There was a huge throne-shaped altar to Zeus. And that was called the throne of Satan. Get this. In addition... Ascalipos, the god of healing that they believed in, was the god most associated with this city. His snake-like form is still the medical symbol today. That was weird. Don't try to go too far with that, okay? Don't get off on conspiracy land. <laughs> All doctors are evil. That's not what I'm saying. The famous medical school connected to his temple mingled medicine with superstition. One prescription called for the worshiper to sleep on the temple floor, allowing snakes to crawl over his body and infuse him with their healing power. 
Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll just be sick. Thanks. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, so anyway, so this was, I mean, this place was, uh, you want to know another interesting thing? So for, for those of you that are nerdy, so, um, so you know where they, they, they have actually dug up where this actual throne is. And you know what they, you know where they moved it? In 1930, they moved it to Germany. I don't know. I'm not trying to make a new doctrine about that. I'm just telling you the facts, fact, facts, okay? Just kind of interesting. So, uh, so it's actually supposedly still there. But 1930 in Germany, a little bit of bad stuff happened after you moved the throne of Satan there. Okay, so not a good idea. So who is... So this is the this is the environment that that these that these Christians are in. I mean, they're they're in an environment that is hostile to their faith. They're in an environment that is that is oppressive. That it, that is that is standing against them. How many of you, if you've ever been in an environment like that, it, it weighs upon you. Like it it it, it you've got to. You have to get recharged after you're in an atmosphere. You cannot continue to allow yourself just to be worn down. No matter how strong you are, you need someone to come alongside of you and to encourage you, to stand with you, to pray with you. And that's why it's so important for us to come together. And that's what he's encouraging them to do. He's like, hey, you're standing. Continue to hold fast. Continue to stand. But you're not going to do that on your own. You need to stand together. We need to... You know, if our, as our society may continue to degrade into a godless society that, that not is just ignoring us, but is act, actively opposing the work of Jesus, we have to be aware that we need to stand together and strengthen one another. We need to hold fast to truth. Don't, don't give in to compromise, because that's, that's what some of them were doing. They were, they were giving in to compromise. Well, later we'll get into that. And so, but this was, this was a, this was an oppressive place. This was a, a dark environment. This was the, the hub. They had all these temples. It said, you know, boom, boom, boom. It's kind of like, you know, if the last place was the commercial center, Smyrna was like the commercial center. This was the, the false religion center. And so they had all these extra temples to all these gods. And so all this, all this stuff was here. And so when the, when the gospel came, it was, it was the light shining in the darkness, and this is what these people were coming out of. They were, they were coming out of this lifestyle. They were coming out of this, this way of worship. And so Jesus is encouraging them. He's reminding them too at the start. He's saying, look, my word is powerful. I think it's important that Jesus always starts these, these messages to the churches and he tells them something about who he is. And I believe it's important here that Jesus said, look, hey, guess what? I'm the one who has a double-edged sword out of his mouth, or out of my mouth. In other words, what is he saying? My word is powerful, so you need to be using my word. You need to be in my word. You need to be reading my word. You need to be declaring my word out loud. You need to be speaking my word. Because it's a double-edged sword and you're in the middle of a battle. If you're in the middle of a place where you're facing oppression, where you're facing things that are coming against you, then you need to have the word to cut through that stuff that is trying to influence you and harm you and discourage you and depress you and get you off track. Use the double-edged sword. You know, Jesus, of course, is called the Word. So there's kind of like a double, 
meaning there. What Jesus is the word as well. And he's got the, you know, when he speaks his word, it's powerful. And so when we declare what what God has said, there's power in that. There's strength in that. There's encouragement in that. There, speaking of battles, the battle belongs to the Lord. Sometimes it's declaring what He's already said. So these are the words. And so they were, he, they're being encouraged. They, they mention a, a man named Antipas. And from what I can find on this guy, this is interesting, just, uh, maybe just to me, but uh, humor me for a second. So according to church tradition, so this is church tradition, this is not the Bible. Church tradition, Antipas was a physician in Pergamum charged with that terrible crime of secretly promoting Christianity. <laughs> this brought about accusations by members of the medical guild that he was disloyal to Caesar. It's said that he was condemned to death. Antipas was roasted alive, being placed inside a copper bowl, like the animal, a copper B-U-L-L, a copper bowl which was heated over fire. And so this is what they, they were facing. They were facing opposition. And he is, Jesus is encouraging this church, yet you remain true, yet you did not renounce your faith in me. You were, you were holding fast to your faith. You know, and there, there's something there's something powerful that happens when you can hold fast in the middle of trials. There's something powerful when you when you can stand firm in the middle of what you're facing. You know that Antipas stood firm. He did not he did not cave in. He did not give in. He said, "I'm I I am committed unto death. I am not going to deny my Savior." And so sometimes when we're in the middle of a situation. Most of us are not going to face this situation. Thank you, Lord. Some of you are like, thank you, Jesus. Okay? I'm saying thank you, Jesus. I mean, I, I don't want to sign up for that. But in the middle of when you're in the fire, when you're in this, you know, there's a, a, a fire in your life, so to speak. Things are coming against you to, to consume you. You can hold fast to your faith. You need to believe that you're going to hold fast. And we do that by encouraging one another. We do that by inviting the, the word of God to encourage us and declaring the word. But hold fast. You don't, you don't have to give in. You don't have to give in. You can, you can stand firm. You don't have to fail. And I think that's, a, that's an encouragement here from this word is like, hey, be encouraged. And so it's, it's good. Go ahead and celebrate. If you've been through something and you're still praising Jesus, that's good, something to celebrate. You held fast. You didn't turn against God when things didn't go your way, when your prayers didn't seem to be answered the way you wanted it to go. Your life didn't work out. Whatever didn't happen, you didn't, you didn't turn against him. You said, Jesus, I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to hold fast to your truth. I'm going to hold on to what I know is true, no matter what my circumstances around me say. If I'm in the fire, I'm going to walk through the fire. If I'm going to be placed in the fire, even if you don't rescue me, I'm not going to deny you. Hold fast. That's a word for somebody right now. You need to just hold fast. Just hold on to Jesus. Let him hold on to you. But hold fast. Stand firm. Don't give up. Don't let nothing move you. 
But this church wasn't perfect, was it? Jesus had a couple of words of correction for them. And so he's got some interesting stuff there. He said, I've, there's a few, few things I have against you. There are some, in other words, this wasn't everybody, but there were some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam and who hold to the teaching of these Nico, Nicolaitans. Okay? So here's what we have to do. Number one, we have to figure out who is Balaam. Anybody remember the story of Balaam from the Old Testament? It's in the book of, book of Numbers. If you don't, it's in Numbers uh, 22 through 25, I believe. Um, somebody can verify that. I didn't write that down, so that was bad. Um, numbers 22 to 24, I believe. And so Balaam, if you're not familiar, let me tell the story quickly. I don't want to take too much time. But Balaam was, it says he was a prophet, and this king who was the king who was opposing the people of God as they were in the desert wanderings, okay? And so he wanted... Balaam to curse the Israelites. He wanted them to curse the people of God. So he paid him, he hired him to go prophesy bad things. Go curse them. And of course, Balaam is the one who he's riding a donkey on the way and the donkey can see the the angel that's opposing him and he keeps stopping and he beats his donkey, he yells at his donkey, he screams at his donkey, and then finally his donkey starts talking to him. And so the donkey talks to him and says, what's up, bro? Um, I don't know what he said, but I mean, I, we do know what he said. He said, hey, why are you, I'm, he actually said this, aren't I your donkey? <laughs> have I ever turned, have I ever done you wrong? What's, why are you beating me? Like, don't you think there's a reason? Can't, and then it says, then his eyes were open and he saw an angel with a big giant flaming sword. He was standing in front of him and the donkey saved his life. So the Malam, you know, apologizes to his donkey. <laughs> I, just, I wish we could have seen that. Don't you just want to see somebody apologize, have a conversation with a donkey? Okay. I don't know. It's just me. But uh, I want to replay this in heaven. You know, can I have that video? Um, it used to be the DVD, but now you just download it straight from the cloud, baby. So, okay. So, anyway, so Balaam, so it says, finally it says God, God speaks to him and says, hey, you better not go and do anything I don't tell you to do, basically. I don't care what that guy paid you. I don't care what they said to you. you. You better say only what I tell you to say. And so he gets up on the mountain, right? And he's, he's you know, the king is there. Okay, let's, let's curse these people because we know they're strong. We know God's with them and we're afraid of them. See, the, the, they were afraid of the people of God. That's how it's supposed to be. The devil is supposed to be scared of you. You're not supposed to be scared of the devil. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Sometimes, have you ever been in the, the spirit-filled churches where it's more about the devil than God, and you're like, man, he must be really horrible. Yeah, he's really horrible, but Jesus won the victory. And it's not, it wasn't a contest. It wasn't like a close Super Bowl. It was like, it was like, it was, it was a trouncing. It was, it was a decimation. It was, it was total victory. And so, the, you know, the enemy is scared of the people of God. The people of God aren't supposed to be scared of the enemy. 
but his, his goal is to, to deceive us, right? So Balaam gets up there and it's, you know, he, he gets up there and he, he blesses the people. And the king's like, I didn't pay you to bless them. I paid you to curse them. And he's like, I can only say what God tells me. He's like, well, let's go to a different location. Maybe, maybe God's not there or something. So he goes to a different location, does it again. He blesses them again. And the king's getting really mad. And so he says, well, I'm sorry. I can only tell what God, you know, I saw an angel with a sword and, you know, come on now. And so I mean, this king is not too bright. That's what I think. Um, so the king takes, well, let's try a different location. Let's go over here and we're going to see it. And then he blesses him again. And finally, the king says, fine, you're not getting your money, basically. Like, forget you. I'm out of here. And um, if you're not going to do that. But they come up with a plan. So here's Balaam ends up being a false, dark prophet because he's still wanting to get that money. He's still wanting to get paid somehow. He's wanting to have it both ways. He's wanting to try to follow God, yet still get paid from this evil king. And so he says, hey, actually, I got something better than cursing them. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna entice them. And so they, they, send in, they send in all these foreign women to entice the men to sleep with them. And so even though the people of God could not be cursed, they couldn't be cursed by, by any enemy, but they could be coerced into sin. And so the people of God were coerced into opening themselves up to a curse because they entered into sexual sin. And there's a whole bunch of the rest of that story that happens. Um, there has to be, you know, someone that rescues him. Phineas, I believe, is that the story where he, he stops the plague. And, but what does this represent for us? What does this represent for them? Basically, in their church, there were those who were compromising their faith. They, they were standing firm with their declaration, but their lie in, the, in their personal lives... They were compromising with what they knew was right. And see, that, that is one of the tricks that the enemy will use because he can't win by sheer force. He can't win by, because he's been defeated. He can only use lies. He can only use things to entice us because we have been redeemed as the children of God. And so now we've got... We've got power and authority. We've got grace on our lives. We've got the, you know, we, we've got the Holy Spirit even in us, but we can still be enticed to sin, right? Anybody remember that? that you, you can still be tempted, right? And so there are areas where we will be tempted to compromise. And we have to be aware of them. It, it could be different for you than it is for me. But there's going to be, it might, for you, it might be money. It might, it might be that you're going to, you know, when you're doing your taxes, you kind of just cut the corners a little bit. You're like, well, the government's corrupt anyway, right? And so I shouldn't have to be doing all this taxes. And so I'm just not going to report this income right here. Guess what? You've compromised your faith. It also means you don't trust God with your money. Go ahead and vote against the taxes. I'm fine with that. God's fine with that. But if this is the law, then you submit yourself to that law because you're believing, guess what? 
God's my provider, not money. My provision is not from the amount of money. My provision is from who it's providing for me. And so that area of compromise could be the same as the Israelites. It could be a temptation of a sexual nature to compromise your marriage, to compromise your purity as a single person, to lead you into some dark place. You have to know what area. Maybe maybe you're just compromised to lie all the time, to make yourself look good. And so you you say things that people want to hear. I don't know what your area of compromise is. It might be addiction to drugs or alcohol. Whatever it is, there's an area of compromise that is going to be presented in your life and you get to make a choice. Now, the good news is, is once you follow Jesus, you have the power to say no. You now have the power to be free because the Holy Spirit, it says when you become a child of God, you believe in Jesus, God's presence himself he comes and dwells within you and begins to change you from the inside out but i can still think wrong things i can still be be tempted to sin and so but i have the power now to say no and so they were this church in some way it says they were being led astray to compromise they were they were led into eating food sacrificed to idols in other words what was, what did that represent they were mixing their faith with the culture of the world and we are we we are tempted to do that we're tempted to mix our our faith with the culture of America we have to be careful that you know we don't we don't become an american first and a christian second I'm a follower of Jesus first and a child of God first and then I'm an American. I'm not America first. I'm Jesus first. (laughs) It's about as political as I'll get. (laughs) Be careful not to be sucked in to America first. It's Jesus first. It's the gospel of Jesus first. Everything else is secondary. Don't make something primary that's secondary. You're compromising your faith. Doesn't mean we don't vote for righteousness. Doesn't mean you don't... I'm not, make sure you're not here. I'm not telling you any of those things. I'm not telling you we don't stand for moral righteousness and, and things that are good. Absolutely. We don't give in to all the weirdness that's going on in our culture. No. But we've got to make sure that it's Jesus first. Get our priorities in order and then everything else puts in order. But the enemy is going to get us to compromise. Whatever he can do. If he can use unforgiveness, he's going to use unforgiveness. If he can use anger, he's going to use anger. You're going to be presented with an area of where you can compromise. And that was the sin that Balaam used with King Balak. They couldn't curse the people of God. So they had to entice them to compromise. And so we must guard ourselves against those things that would try to compromise our lives. It says this also, likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Now these guys from what I could find, is what, what they did was they separated the physical and the spiritual so that you could be spiritual in one way and it didn't matter what you did with your body. 
And there's all kinds of th- ways you can go wrong with that, right? I mean, you don't even need to use, don't use your imagination. So, I mean, you know, in other words, it does, you know, okay, this body is, is not going to last, so it doesn't matter what I do with that. It's only what's inside my spiritual self. But anything that leads us to that, guess what? You're going to compromise. That was, that was the sin. It's like, hey, we can participate in all this stuff, but I'm all right on the inside. You know, my heart, my heart is right. He knows my heart, yeah. God knows my heart. <laughs> and we have to be careful, again, that we don't, we don't separate something. God says, actually, no, your body is part of who you are. You're created body, soul, and spirit, not just spirit. You all know that uh, we're going to get a new, you know, we have a resurrected body, but there's going to be some recognition Right? They, they, Jesus had a resurrected body, right? There was some recognition, there was some unrecognition, because I don't know, it's a lot better than this one. <laughs> Hard to tell, that's all I know, is that every time Jesus had to say, it's me, and they're like, oh, yeah, it looks like you, kind of, but it looks way better. Um, <laughs> that's, what, that's what it's going to be like. And Jesus is what? He's going to establish, we don't live in heaven forever, just as an FYI. Jesus creates a, a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth with spiritual bodies you don't become an angel or just a spiritual being no you're you are there is going to be physical redeemed brand new physical nature in the new heaven and new earth so it's also what does it say in the scriptures your body is the temple of the holy spirit in Corinthians, it says that don't, and it says, hey, don't take your body and join it to a prostitute. In other words, you know, that was the culture of the day. That's, that's what they did in church. Yeah, yeah, it should make you go, ugh. I mean, my wife's back in here now. Look, sex has been selling for a long time. And so that's what, that was the culture they were in. was just, you know, and so in, any area of compromise, hey, you, oh, it's, it's not my heart, it's just my body. And so we have to be careful that we don't, we don't make separations that God doesn't make. And so I want to treat my body like it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't hate the body that God gave you. He created you. Yep, we're in a fallen world. There are things that aren't, that aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect, right? That's, that's later on. That's the new body, okay? I don't know what that looks like. I don't know any, anything about it other than I know it's new and it's good and it's God. And it's forever, isn't that good? Some of you are a little bit older than me. You're like, yeah, it's really good that this is not the one I get to take forever, right? <laughs> it says, you know, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4. Glorified body. Amen. But those are two areas of compromise that we must be aware of in our lives that, and be aware of where you are most tempted 
to make that compromise. Is it the separation like that? Is it kind of, yeah, this doesn't matter what I do on the side because my heart's right? Or is it this area of temptation, this area of compromise? Whatever it is, it's going to be presented to you and you get to hold fast to your faith, not just in the middle of the fire, but also in the middle of the temptation. We get to hold fast to our faith in the middle of both that we will not compromise. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's Hebrews 10.23. It's not on the screen, sorry. So, hold fast to your faith, resist, compromise, and it says at the end here, it says, guess what? You get some of the hidden manna, whatever that is. What did manna represent? It represented the provision of God for every single day for the people of God. God will provide every day. Whatever you're believing for Him to provide for, it's not just money. God will provide Everything you need for that day. What did Jesus say? Give us today our daily bread. When they tried to keep the manna for one extra day, what happened? It went bad. Because God was saying, look, I want you to trust me each and every day. Pretend it's a new day. There's new mercy. My mercies are new every morning. There's something new that God has every single day. And he's providing for you as, as a faithful God. And it says there also at the end, it says that you're going to get some hidden manna and you're going to get a white stone, okay? You know, in the ancient Olympics, one of the things they would actually give them when they completed their race was a white stone. You know, you know finishing well is something that we probably all want to do. But a lot of people don't do. This was actually at my training this week. They had a whole leadership kind of intensive teaching time. And they said one, one out of three Christian leaders. Wait, let's see. Let's see. Was it? I don't want to mix it up. Is it only one? No. One out of three Christian leaders will not finish well. And that sounds not too bad. Well, two out of three will. But you, we, went, we, we had like 60 people in the room. And then we're like, that means 20 of us in this room will not finish well, according to statistics. Okay? Think about this room. There's, I don't know how many people are in this room. So, 70. So if, that, if the same statistics held up, look around the room. This whole section, I'm just going to use it. I'm not saying these people are not finishing well. <laughs> But one whole third, one whole third of this room, they will not finish their walk with Jesus well, if statistics hold true. We've got to change that, baby. <laughs> How do you finish well? You've got to stay connected to Jesus. You've got to let Him change you. You've got to not get stuck. You know what, this is just for leaders, but a lot of leaders get stuck 
And they don't stop what they're doing when God has something new for them. And they stay too long where they're at. And they just do it on the, in their own strength. And so, if that speaks to you, then receive it. So, <laughs> you want it, when God says stop, you're like, God, this is so good. But he's, like, but he's like, no, it's time to move on. It's time to move to a new season. It's time to move to something new. If you stay fresh with Jesus, you'll finish well. You'll run that race to the very end. I mean, isn't it heartbreaking? Have you ever seen someone who kind of just is like on fire for God and in the last five years of their life or ten years of their life, they just kind of like fade away and they're not, they're just kind of, eh, whatever. Man, it's, it's heartbreaking. We're meant to fin- cross the finish line and receive the reward. And so I think that's what this, this picture is here. They would have known what that meant. In other words, hey, there's, there's going to be something. When you f- cross that finish line, you can cross that finish line and receive your reward. So go ahead and cross it. Find out what's on the stone. <gasps> there's something special for you that only you'll know about. Jesus says, look, I'm going to put a name on it that only you'll know. I don't know what that means, but if it's from Jesus, it's going to be good. It's going to be something special. You know, have you ever gotten something where somebody gives you something special, like a grandparent or a parent or a special friend, that you hold on to it forever? I hold on to stuff forever. Anybody hold on to stuff forever? Like, I've got, like, my ribbons that I won in junior high, like, you know, in the broad jump at the school Olympics, you know, or whatever. I've got those somewhere. Okay, I haven't been able to throw them away yet. But how much more? <laughs> got my fourth place in the mile run in sixth grade. It was awesome. Uh <laughs> Fourth, son, pretty impressive, huh? <laughs> but it, when you finish the race, Jesus is going to give you something that's so personal that only you and Him will know about it. It's going to be good. So I want to finish well. I want to do whatever it takes to finish well, that I am more in love with Jesus the day I take my last breath than I was when I first came to Jesus, that when I take my last breath, that I'm breathing out the praise of God. And I cross that finish line. I lift my hands and I worship Him. And He can do whatever He wants. He can give me a rock, a stone, a ribbon, a hug, a crown. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to lay it right back at His feet and say, I love you. I worship you. Thank you, Father. Let's pray, Father. We just, we, just, we just thank you that you are allowing us God's strength. God, we thank you for... Lord, we receive the encouragement from this Scripture and the warning from this Scripture. Lord, to be encouraged that we can hold fast. We can finish well. Lord, there is a race to be won. Lord, there is more for us, God. There, there is a future and a hope, God, that, that we are holding on to the one who is faithful. You are faithful and you will do it, God. We, our eyes are fixed upon you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So no matter where we at, we continue to to speak your word and to keep our eyes fixed upon you and to trust in you and to continue to surrender and make our hearts tender before you, Father. But we also take the warning, God, where there's, there's an area of compromise, there's a temptation out there where the, where the enemy would come and try to get us off track and try to compromise our faith in some way. And so, Father, help us be aware, Lord, and help us bring those things into the light. 
God, let us, let us believe that in the light there is freedom and forgiveness and healing, God, that we won't keep anything secret anymore, Lord. We'll, we'll lay ourselves before you and allow the light of Jesus to come in and to set us free, God. We thank you for that reminder today. Father, we just declare, Lord, I just declare over the lives in here that, that we will beat the statistics I don't care what statistics are. They're helpful in giving us understanding. But statistics don't run my life. The Spirit of God does. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling each and every person in this room, God. Fill them with power. Fill them with strength. Fill them with courage. Fill them with wisdom, Lord. Fill them with discernment, Lord, that they might follow you all the days of their life. And their last breath will be glory and praise to you. We thank you for that, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged. If you need prayer, we're going to have some prayer team up here, so come on up, prayer team, and uh, we'd love to pray with you if you still need prayer. If not, be blessed as you go about the rest of part of your day. Jesus is